ripples, the butterfly effect, you make a difference. Have you ever felt small or insignificant, maybe even powerless? In our big world where media gives us access to the vast happenings across the globe, we come to realize the scope of the world, the overwhelming nature of the trauma and catastrophes across the globe, and all too often that bigness creates in us a sense of smallness, a sense of overwhelm and insignificance. Once we feel powerless, that our efforts will make no difference, we become passive passengers on this rock we call a planet. We hope for the best, but we feel too small to instigate change. When we get to that place, we have essentially stopped believing that we matter. Today, I want to remind why this is untrue. Stay tuned for the small and simple things that change the world. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with and making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. You've pushed the first domino in a string of set of dominoes and watched one fall into the next and the next and the next as the domino structure unfolds. You've thrown a rock in a pond and watched the ripples start small and get bigger and bigger until they cover the pond. Or watched a fish break the surface of the water, sending ripples out to the shore. You've heard of the butterfly effect, which posits that the flap of a butterfly wing on one side of the world generates the air movement that eventually culminates in a storm on the other side of the world. All of these are illustrations of how one action sets in motion other actions that continue to set off additional actions. And we do this a hundred times every day. There are thousands of reasons that each of us matter. They begin in the intrinsic value of being alive, and that alone means that we must be significant. To the butterfly effect and how even our smallest actions create responses, affect lives, change the world in ways we can't fully understand. If you've had a child, you've changed the world. If you've loved someone, you've had impact. If you've hurt someone, you've pushed a domino. If you've shared or forgiven or learned something, you have created some type of a ripple. In a way, it seems like a silly thing to talk about because everything we do and don't do affects the people in the world around us in ways we can sometimes see and often in ways we cannot, but it's so obvious. At the same time, Maybe it's not so obvious, so it merits a 15-minute conversation about how much we each matter in the world, because that creates within our own heads the stories that we tell about ourselves. Despite this tremendous influence and significance of each person, one of the most struggled with concepts across the board is that of self-worth. The one ghost that I have seen as I've been privy to people's deepest self-work is that even the most successful of us at our deepest core of things that hold us back struggle with feelings of self-doubt and our own handful of insecurities about being enough, whether it's physically, mentally, even spiritually. Self-doubt in one way or another is a killer of dreams and joy. 
It's kind of crazy when you break it down. Cultural values that say odd things like, you matter if you're a movie star, you matter if you're a sports star, you matter if you make a lot of money. When you actually step back and evaluate the absurdness of those ideas, and yet how heavily they are bought into, it's a little disturbing. In Scientific American and Huffington Post in 2012, both of them ran articles on research that preteens, the upcoming generation, put the value of being famous as their number one goal, overshadowing financial success, love, community, things like American Idol and YouTube followers, followers on social media. The obsession with needing exterior validation to feel worth is rampant. So let's have a little bit of a reality check. way we interact with others, the talents we share, the things we create, the love we generate, the smile, the hug, the choice to rescue a dog, to show patience, to forgive, to notice someone else. My heavens, I can go on forever with this list. These millions of interactions create responses, movements, feelings, and in general, tremendous power in the world around us. The ripple in the pond, the first domino pushed, Every day we impact one another in tremendous ways. Every day, every one of us matter. Let me start with something I noticed as I've worked in groups who are doing healing work on their stories. One of the things I was initially most surprised at was how often something small, a comment made by a peer or a teacher had literally shaped the stories in a child's brain until as an adult, they find it nearly impossible to shake off the imposed reality of the time in sixth grade when a peer told them that they were ugly. When I started teaching composition at Utah State University, we had an assignment where I had the students write about their history with writing and those teachers who had affected them most as they grew and learned to write. Inevitably, there were a handful of students in each class who were certain they could not write because sometime in their elementary education, they had received too many red marks on a paper where a teacher had made a comment meant to instruct that instead was interpreted as a pronouncement that they were hopeless writers. I was shocked at how small comments, one-liners, a mark on a paper, had defined a complete interpretation of an individual's concept of themselves. But then I considered how in fourth grade I had written an essay about my doll Rachel and the paper had come back with praise about the descriptive detail and suddenly I knew I was a talented writer. These things are so incredibly small and yet internalized in such a way as to be completely formative in another's life. That is amazing power. The other day, a friend and I were talking and she shared how in grade school she had walked into a class and a classmate who incidentally was caught up in a friend triangle told her that she was ugly. And now, as a 40-something woman, she still hears that child's voice in her head every time she looks in the mirror. While these are a few negative examples of how the smallest thing we can do significantly impacts the trajectories of people's lives, especially during their formative years, we also have the power to create tremendous good in the same way. I'd like to share a story told by Rick Lewis. He was a guest I interviewed on episode 41. 
and he tells about a time he unexpectedly had an interaction with an audience member that changed them both. Here's Rick. So I have a story I'd like to share about how powerful it can be when we take simple, small steps to make a difference for somebody else, even with just small gestures of kindness, generosity, and compassion. I had a gig one time in North Carolina, and the function was being sponsored by a company that published a periodical in the restaurant industry. And uh, for this event, annually, they would invite food service professionals, everything from chefs to restaurant managers to suppliers of various kinds of uh, food service supplies. And I was hired to do my waiter routine where I pose identically to a server. I go table to table, getting more and more odd and eccentric over the course of the meal. And the fun thing about doing this particular bit for any food service organization is they're highly sensitive to proper uh, food service protocol. So any kind of misstep, anything that's not really according to Uh, standard is really noticed by those who are attending. So as I was going table to table with my goofy little antics, overfilling the water glasses and dropping silverware on the floor, crawling under the table to get it, I was just getting more dirty looks than there were napkins in that hotel. Everyone was looking at me with these annoyed expressions like, what is going on with this guy? Why are we being served this way? And so that's my job is to work the room and get a reaction out of people. That's that's the purpose of my presentation is to show people how automatically we can be reacting when things aren't going as planned or when we get stressed and how we're not very well trained or prepared to provide an optimal or useful reaction, especially to be deeply in relationship with those who are around us when we get stressed or the unexpected is is occurring. So that was my job is to go around and get them, you know, all riled up and it was working really well for these 450 people, except there was one table at the very back of the hall And every time I would go to that table, there was one man at the table who, he was from Texas and he was dressed in this bright yellow tie. And every time I went to the table with some form of uh, misservice, he would look at me and make a connection. He'd make eye contact and he'd say something kind to me like, hey, and I was wearing a name tag on this particular occasion. I I always ask for an extra name tag, and I was wearing a name tag that said Malcolm. And the first time I went, he just looked up at me, and he said, you know what, Malcolm, you're doing a great job. Thanks for taking such good care of us. And that was after filling his water glass so high it had formed a meniscus on the surface and was about to spill over. And he just looked at me with this, in this kind southern drawl, told me what a great job I was doing. And every time I went back to his table, all he did was empower me and encourage me. And I could tell that I, I wasn't getting the, the reaction that I'm kind of hired to elicit from people. And so I kept pushing on that table, getting more and more outrageous. And I just could not 
crack his commitment to be utterly kind, patient, relational with me as a server and to keep empowering me. In fact, the worst service I could deliver was only met with his greater determination to make sure that I was 100% okay with the person I was and the job I was doing. So that was rather extraordinary. I kept leaving the table and I had I, never really seen anything like that. And I'd go back into the service hall and just reflect on um, how amazing this gentleman was being in his behavior. And it was so it was so kind. I really wanted to go tell him what I was actually doing, uh, but I didn't. I, as usual, just finished the waiter routine and went straight into my comedy show, where I do a physical comedy show revealing who I actually am as the entertainment, and go straight into this juggling acrobatic unicycling routine. And so by the end of the show. I was up on top of this tall unicycle that I ride, and I remember looking back at him, just sitting there looking at me with this very uh, sober expression on his face from the back of the room, and I wanted to acknowledge him in some way. So I just said aloud to the whole room, they didn't even know really what I was talking about, but I just said, Ladies and gentlemen, the man at the back table with the yellow tie is the kindest man I have ever met. So I was able to acknowledge him. No one else really knew why I was acknowledging him, but I, I had to say something. And I went through my whole comedy show, finished the comedy show, and as usual, when an event is over, everyone leaves the ballroom. It was a very big ballroom, obviously, enough to hold... 400, 500 people. And uh, everyone walked out, including the man with the yellow tie. And I was there alone, packing up my props and, and kind of pulling myself together after the event. And after about 15, 20 minutes of packing up in an empty room, I looked up to the back of the hall and I saw the man with the yellow tie walking in through one of the, the back doors to the, the meeting room. And he started walking toward me quite slowly and again had this very sober expression on his face. And honestly, I was a little bit worried. I, I didn't know what he had come back to say. I was afraid he might be upset um, by me, you know, fooling him. And uh, in the face of his commitment to be so kind, uh, I, I might be upset too. So he walked all the way across the room and came over to face me. He didn't say anything except he pulled out a chair from one of the banquet tables and he sat down facing me. And so I put all my, I put my, the things down, the, the props down that I was, you know, trying to put back together. And I pulled out a chair and sat right across from him because he had earned every ounce of my attention. And he started talking. And what he started telling me about was his children. He had two children, a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old. The, the younger child was his son, the older his daughter. And he started by telling me that the last two years of his life had been the hardest two years that he had ever experienced. And he said his daughter was diagnosed two years prior with a terminal illness. 
and that he had actually quit his job as the executive chef of a large hotel and elected to stay home to care for his daughter and be her champion because she wanted to give up. She was so bewildered and embittered by the injustice of what had occurred for her. She just, she didn't want to keep going. She had medication she had to take. So he stayed home and he just became her champion, like encouraging her to take the medication and keep going. And he was just describing how incredibly difficult this time had been and how difficult it was to continue to parent his son at the same time he was trying to take care of his daughter. In saying that it was the hardest two years of his entire life, he told me that he had never had more doubts about himself as a father and a person. Deep doubts about his ability to show up as a dad. And then he just looked at me and he said, I had no idea that what you were doing tonight at this event was entertainment. I thought you were an actual server. But because of what you did, I got to see that who I am is a good person. And he started weeping right there in front of me, the tears just rolling down his cheeks and down his business shirt and yellow tie. And I started weeping too because I was sitting there watching the demonstration of an individual who in his commitment to championing other people and making sure that I saw the goodness in myself had created a reflective surface that reflected back to him his own worth and merit and goodness as a human being. It was one of the most profound experiences I, I've ever had doing this waiter routine, and I'll never forget it because the, the power of committing to these small acts and demonstrations of relationship, of kindness, generosity, and compassion, they just can't be underestimated how much difference it can make in the lives of other people. And perhaps we never hear often about the difference it's made for somebody, but it does make a difference. We've talked about how powerfully small things can affect us in negative ways if we buy into those stories. We've just heard how being patient, supportive, and kind can deeply impact another. Rick's willingness to reach out and draw attention to and praise the man in the yellow tie for his dedication to kindness, praising another, can deeply affect another. Let me share a few more stories sent to me from a listener about moments in the life of her family where they were deeply touched by the choices and actions of others, and these actions made a difference. She says, We were a young married couple with two small children and had just bought our first home. When the water pipe broke, it was of course on our side of the city line, and so we were responsible to fix it, but we didn't have any money. Somehow word reached a doctor who lived up the hill from us. He had the know-how and a backhoe tractor, and he came down and dug the hole for us and helped my husband to replace the pipe and covered it up. Every time I turn the water off, I think of this kind man who would humble himself to help out our little family. She goes on. 
When I was eight and a half months pregnant with our third child, our second child got the chicken pox. After two weeks of nursing her, myself and our oldest child got the chicken pox. I have never been so sick in my life, and so many horrible things can happen to a child when they're in the womb and their mother is sick. I was sick of body and sick of mind. I was worried. My friends and neighbors fed us for two weeks. Then I delivered a healthy baby girl, and they fed us for two more weeks. They never made me feel like I was a burden or an inconvenience in their lives, and that meant the world. Four years later, our oldest blew up his hand and needed surgery to retract a tendon in his finger. Two weeks later, the doctor found a lump on the side of our youngest's neck. He recommended that we have biopsies of the lump because he felt that it could be cancer. They would put him all the way under. This was because if he moved during the procedure, the whole side of his face would be paralyzed. We were so worried about our boys and about how we would pay the medical bills. One day I went outside to get in the car and there was an envelope, had $400 and a note telling us that they hoped this would help and that we were loved. A few years ago, she says, my husband was diagnosed with brain cancer. During this time, lots of choices by lots of people made tremendous impact on our family's life. For example, she lists, his work sent his paycheck until the day he died. They didn't have to do that. People fed us often for eight months. One night I took my husband back to our local hospital because of some complications. They wouldn't send him to a bigger hospital because it was very possible that he would die on the way. Our family doctor sat with me all night long without charge as the nurses and doctors fought to save his life long enough to get him to an intensive care unit. My husband died December 15th. Our daughter was married three days later in a quiet snowstorm. We were having the reception at our church. The members of our church made it happen. The walks were cleared, the refreshments were taken care of, the setup and takedown was taken care of. They helped make it a joyful day and a day of happiness in a stressful time, in a sad time. I was taken to lunch once or twice a week that first year. My husband has two adult nieces that called me and sent me notes of encouragement regularly. And still, after almost seven years, they still check on me. During that time, I went back to college. They were a great support. One of them lets me send my papers to her and she would correct the grammar and send them back to me. Someone sends me flowers every year on Valentine's Day. She finishes her letter to me with the words, quote, from the smallest act to the very largest act, kindness changes people's lives, whether receiving or giving, unquote. Rick Lewis said in his book, The Seven Rules You Were Born to Break, quote, paying attention to the small daily details of our lives is one facet of excellence. When we ignore those details, we discount our ability to make a difference in the lives of others and ourselves." Unquote. When we look about us on a daily basis to see what small act we can do for another, or how simply living our best life blesses the world, how getting rid of old negative stories that have played on rerun in our lives can free us from untruths that hold us back or make us feel insignificant, and how that changes our interaction with the world which is significant. Then we start to get an idea of how much control we have over the impact we have on the world and how taking responsibility for small and simple things we can do causes tremendous impact around us. So many ripples, so many dominoes sent. 
first, we simply have to acknowledge that no matter who you are, you are immensely significant and what you do and don't do changes the world through ripple effects you can't even predict. It's crazy cool when you think about it. All you can control is what you put out there and then the ripples start. My challenge to you this week is twofold. First, sit down like the listener who sent me her list of kindnesses and take 15 minutes to think about the impact others have had on your life in a positive way. The second challenge is to look for a way to impact someone today. By small and simple things are great things brought to pass. And while you may not know how far reaching your action ends up being, you most certainly can push the first domino. Have a great week out there creating hero scenarios in your story. We'd love to hear some of your stories. Go to www.loveyourstorypodcast.com and go to the Contact Us page. Share. We read all your emails. And if you'll share this podcast with a friend, share the love, put it out there, that also starts a ripple. Have a great week.